Hello and welcome back to another episode of Nick Tiffany's Movie Reviews in the podcast form. Today, the countdown has officially hit zero, and Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer is finally out in theaters, thus completing the two-part Barbenheimer premiere. You know, it was pretty fun going into this movie, actually. I went Thursday night for the IMAX screening. I was playing a little game when people were coming out of the theater. You know, just based on their faces, you could tell, okay, you guys saw Barbie and you guys saw Oppenheimer. Everyone coming out of Barbie, giggling, they're happy, they're taking pictures with the poster. People coming out of <laughs> Oppenheimer, their eyes are glued to the floor, heavy size. I'm sure they're just taking all of it in. It was like, okay, all right, at least I know. I mean, I knew what I was getting into. I thought, I thought, I mean, I know it's Christopher Nolan, so... He has a way of kind of flipping some of your expectations or breathing a new kind of life into the stories and the style of stories that he's telling. And, you know, quite frankly, that made Oppenheimer not even just a war drama and a biopic, but, you know, it's also scientific discovery and a look at militarism and a look at how we used to think observing wartime how thoughts changed not long after the war. I mean, this movie was fascinating. For a three-hour film, there was never a moment that I felt bored and that I wasn't interested in what was going on on screen. In fact, this is like really one of the rare times where I came out of a movie and I was like, I think I need to buy this book. Like, I want to know more. I need to know more. And it was fun kind of learning how Christopher Nolan even had the idea to make this film in the first place. When he was shooting Tenet with Robert Pattinson and John David Washington, Pattinson gave him a copy of this book, American Prometheus, the tragedy and the triumph and tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer. And Nolan read it and kept talking about seeing the face, not quite ghoulish, but you know, like this really thin face this thousand yard stare, this man with this hat. And he kept looking at it and looking at it. And he's like, okay, if I did this movie, you know, Killian Murphy would be the only person who could play the role just based off on that photo alone. And man, was he right. Killian Murphy has always been a pretty big player, if not supporting player in a lot of Nolan's films. You know, he's Scarecrow in the Dark Knight films and Inception He's the one that you need to change his mind so that he just shuts down his father's empire. I mean, he pops up here and there, everywhere across films, you know, the 28 weeks later, 28 days later. But this is really, at least to me, it feels like his biggest break. I mean, people love him on Peaky Blinders, and I think that turned a lot of people onto the idea that, hey, this guy is like not only really serious, but this dude like rocks. He's kind of intimidating, and he can take on some pretty weighted roles. And the role of J. Robert Oppenheimer is not an easy one. I mean, this film is heavy. It's dense. It is a nonlinear look at this man's life, you know, starting with an understanding of him as a physicist, traveling the world, trying to learn from some of the greatest scientific minds, and then eventually bringing what he learned back to the United States, where eventually, you know, while he was teaching at Berkeley, working with some scientists there, he would then get recruited to work on the Manhattan Project. 
building what would become an atomic bomb that we would use in World War II. And Nolan's use of that nonlinear storytelling works in the advantage of obviously we know there's going to be a test. Obviously, we know the bombs get dropped. That's not a surprise to anybody who's coming into the theater, I don't think. If it is, then you're really going to be in for a surprise in this movie. Um, but, you know, this whole courthouse drama aspect of the film, I didn't totally expect to have as large a role as it did. But it was really interesting in the sense of showing you how in wartime, you know, we're doing something horrible, but necessary. That was the justification. You know, this is just me telling you what happened in the film. You know, and they cleverly kind of go through black and white and color, kind of showing you what's subjective and what's objective in terms of the story or how it's being told. You know, whether it was like, hey, this is verbatim how this test went, what was said out there versus these were the court proceedings and this is generally what we believe was said, you know, kind of a summation of how that happened. But again, these are just opinions. And so you look at how people judged Oppenheimer years after the war and looking at him, you know, whether it was a, a risk that he had links to the communist party back in his early life, you know, how deplorable he was to create something that caused so much death and destruction when the Germans were all but surrendering, Hitler had died, but we knew the Japanese weren't going to surrender. I mean, it looks at a lot of these different aspects in a way that I thought was really thought provoking, but also kind of shows you how, and this is nothing new, our government, it's like, Hey, when we need you, we got you. But as soon as we're done, we're going to discard you, discredit you, keep you out of the limelight. And that was something that Oppenheimer was very against because, you know, a lot of this movie is fueled by scientific discovery, this passion that so many of these world-renowned scientists had as they're creating and understanding the future of modern science, of physics, of chemistry. I mean, what all of these minds kind of came together to do whether they knew what they were making or not. And I'm not saying these people were naive and how it could be used. They knew they were creating what would become the largest explosion that man has ever made. Um, you know, they weren't naive to that fact. But I found it really interesting how this film kind of showed that there was trepidation. You know, a lot of these scientists were like, I, you know, yes, we are making history. Yes, we are creating great discoveries, but I've got a feeling that I know where this leads and it's obviously nowhere good. You know, the fact that we're having conversations about which city is going to be the best to drop this bomb on is kind of horrifying. And so you see how some of these moral situations end up coming back to Oppenheimer in the sense that, you know, we're looking to you, our leader here in Los Alamos, New Mexico, to stick up for the scientists, to speak for us in the sense that, hey, there are dangers and this is not something to be taken lightly because the military is like, hey, we just need a bomb. You know, we're dumping $2 billion into this project. It's the most top secret thing we've ever done. And we need something to give to the president. We need the end game. We need the deterrent. And, you know, we're not necessarily thinking in terms of, okay, once we do this, 
the race is on. Russia, China, Germany, anywhere. Everyone's going to be trying to make atomic weapons, nuclear weapons, hydrogen weapons. And, you know, the military, the government, I should say, is just, you know, very naive to a lot of, you know, they're like, okay, you're scientists, you know, you know, you just do your job. We'll do ours. We've got to make the hard decisions. You know, we'll live with that. We'll go from there. And because of this, I mean, there's just so much dismissal and so much, I mean, there's so many horrifying moments where you're like, I, I can't believe this is just, you're being so cavalier about people's lives or some of these things. But obviously, I was not alive at that time. You know, this movie walks a fine line between condemnation and understanding that, you know, this was a period of time that myself and most of you listening could not comprehend. You know, not even just the lack of the technologies we have now, communication, anything like that. I mean, this truly was a time in the world where hundreds of thousands of people are dying. Millions of people are dying across the globe. You know, and it seems like this is the war to end all wars. We thought we had that already. You know, I mean, it just, I think it's really hard to judge decisions made in the past. One, because we weren't there. You know, and it's why it's important to read and why context is important to understand the decisions of the time and what influenced them. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And I, I just feel like you can't, you know, this movie, I think, does a really good job of kind of showing you all of the horror that was created and caused by this invention. Obviously, it spawned a never ending production of nuclear weapons and deterrence across the world, you know, going through a cold war and eventually what we have now where, you know, there's enough nuclear weapons to destroy the world. I don't know how many hundred or thousand times over. Um, but God, I mean, this film is a brilliant, brilliant commentary just on, you know, once we get that little bit of power, it changes things. And this, was the greatest shift and imbalance in power in the world. And obviously everyone wanted to level the playing field. Uh, Oppenheimer, I mean, this is just, I mean, it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. Everyone under the sun is in this movie. I mean, it was really kind of like, not a Where's Waldo game, but more of like a who's who. You're like, all right, every five minutes, someone's going to pop up. And it might not be for long. They might just be there literally for one scene. But you're like, what? He's in this movie? The kid from Sky High is in this movie? I'm like, it's a bit role, but I was like, I know that, dude. The guy next to me, I'm like, every time someone popped up, we're like, he's like, that's Matt Damon. Oh my God, that's Matt Damon. Obviously, we knew Matt Damon was in the movie. But, I mean, there's tons of people. I'm like, I'm sitting here watching some of these courthouse scenes. I'm like, okay, there's young Han Solo, Alden Ehrenreich. I'm like, oh, you know, who's who's this litigator? I'm like, I know this guy. It's director and actor, Macon Blair, Mason, it's M-A-C-O-N. I still don't know the pronunciation for that, so forgive me. Uh, you know, Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh, while they're not in the film a ton, Emily Blunt especially makes the most of her time. I mean, she is fantastic. At first, I kind of thought, I'm like, oh, this is just kind of like, you know, drunk wife, 
always saying shit to Oppenheimer, you know, always pushing his buttons, but he's never gonna, he's like, Hey, I could take it, whatever. But she really has some tremendous moments towards the end of the film that kind of like, for me, I was like, okay, well, she's taking this to the next level. She is leaving this thinly veiled role and actually turning it into something substantial. Uh, and, you know, you can't mention this film or Killian Murphy without mentioning Robert Downey Jr. You know, I think obviously that Killian Murphy is probably a shoe in for a nomination as best actor. But damn it, if Robert Downey Jr. is not going to win, I mean, he's at least going to get nominated, I feel like, for this film. Um, playing, uh, I think, Secretary Strauss, Straws. Uh, I mean, he and his relationship with Oppenheimer as the head of some of their security, as far as the, uh, the atomic committee goes, he's a brilliant man. Yes. But once you put him in a room with all of these other scientists and some of the greatest minds in the world, I mean, it becomes very easy to belittle his intelligence and just make it known how out of his depths that he really is. And so you've got these interesting back and forth that he has with Murphy. Um, and the two of them are just fantastic. But Robert Downey Jr., I'm like, this is some of the best work that he's done in decades. You know, post-Iron Man, I think everyone was kind of like, all right. I mean, he said it himself. I got to give myself a little bit of breathing room. You know, I've been doing the same thing for over a decade. He's like, can I even act again? Can I act normally in a normal movie that's not a comic book film? And the answer is a resounding yes. I mean, he is just phenomenal here, too. I was not expecting him to have such a large role as he did as well, especially more in that kind of court hearing side of things. But uh, the dude's brilliant. And this film is also just like a really fun who's who of like, I know a lot of people kind of joked about it beforehand. There's a first trailer where Albert Einstein is kind of revealed just briefly. And I feel like because we're so trained in this comic book movie TV show era where everything is like, oh, did you guys catch that reference? Did you know who he was? There was something on Secret Invasion the other day, and it was like, am I supposed to know who this guy is? And they're like, he, he's from the Black Widow movie, man. Come on. And I'm like, I forgot about that movie already, so I, I don't remember him. That did nothing for me. But I sure as hell know Albert Einstein when I see him. And so you've got some of these really fun bit parts with these just brilliant scientific minds you're like oh yes well here's niels bohr you're like okay i'm like all right who else are we gonna meet and they're like here's heisenberg and i was like oh and we know him too but i mean it was just i mean god this movie is fantastic christopher nolan truly has done something incredible a lot of people i've seen kind of compare this to oliver stone's jfk and I can totally see that. I mean, that was a film I was shown not too long ago, but in a very similar sense, it was like, okay, you're telling me this political drama that has all of these different genres wrapped in. And I mean, that's a long movie too, but it didn't feel like it. I mean, the whole time I'm just, I'm gripped. I'm engaged. I'm like, this is American history and it's being told in a really fascinating an engaging way i was just like wow i mean it was me and oppenheimer the other night and i'm going to see it again tomorrow just because i was like okay i gotta i gotta kind of process i've digested a lot of it now but i'm ready to go back for more i'm ready for that kind of second look 
and understanding. And I feel like Christopher Nolan's films always deserve a second shot at home, back in the theater, wherever it is. Obviously, it helped with Tenet because that sound mixing in theaters was not great. And it was a case where I was like, I don't think I heard half of what happened in this movie. That was not the case here. The sound mixing <laughs> the sound mixing is insane in this movie, but it's really good. You can hear all the dialogues. There were no issues there. I mean, I'm just like ready to get blasted by the sound waves and the creation of the practical effects nuke that they made. I mean, you know, Christopher Nolan mentioned that there's no CGI in this movie in the sense that there are no fake explosions. The fire you see, the plumes, everything is practical. Whether it's scaled down or scaled up, the intent was to try to make the most realistic representation of what this would look like and feel like. And holy crap. I mean, I think they did. There were moments in the theater where you could hear a pin drop. And then there were moments where I was like, everyone in the theaters adjacent to us have to be hearing this right now. There's no way they didn't just hear that. It's insane. I mean, there's just cool moments where you get all these atomic structures flowing in and out and it's insanely loud. And I was just like, uh, I'm in awe. It's I'm awe inspired by what I saw. So yeah, definitely worth a second watch. Christopher Nolan is a genius and a brilliant filmmaker. There are no doubts about that to the naysayers of this film. I get it. If maybe it's not your cup of tea, Dunkirk didn't quite work for me the first time, but you know, I'm going to be rewatching that again after having watched and enjoyed Dunkirk uh, Oppenheimer so much. I think it's one of those things. It's those expectations. I went in knowing this was going to be kind of like JFK. And so maybe that helped my experience because I knew what I was getting into. And so I was able to enjoy it even more so. But I mean, this is a huge, huge rated R opening for the year. This movie's going to make its money back, I think. I mean, I can't find a great seat in any IMAX theater for like days if that tells you how big the demand for this movie is. Watch for it to clean up at the Oscars. It's going to be nominated for a ton of stuff, deservedly so. Go see Oppenheimer, see Barbie, complete the duo, and let me know what you think. Thanks again for listening, you guys, and... I feel like it's going to be a little while before we've got a back-to-back string of just fantastic movies and reviews, but there's some great stuff still to come. So stay tuned, you guys. Thanks.